Amanda Stewart, great to have you here on this podcast. Great to be with you, Kat. You've written, you've created a piece for us called Soup Tautology 12. Can you tell us a bit about the motivation for that piece and, and how it works? I think so. It's funny, isn't it, when you sort of write a new piece, you sort of inside and outside it, and at the end of it, you're often thinking, my God, what have I done here? My goodness, I don't know. But, um, yeah, the motivation, I think, in some ways was quite, simple I mean I wanted to do something specifically for score player um, and I've always been very interested in the relationship between music and language and so I did some research like trying to come up with an idea because a two-minute composition in a way you've got to have a clear concept and then just go for it there's no time to sort of do much development or it's it's quite a challenging brief in in many ways um, anyway what I've ended up doing is um, it's quite a simple idea, really. The piece basically is inspired by some of the vowels, consonants and phonemes that are acquired by human infants during their first months of life. Various theorists have um, hypothesised that during that time, our distinctions between language and music haven't been fully formalised. And so it's a time of vital sort of experimentation and creative play which then subsequently disappears once we start to acquire language and become more functional, um, particularly vocal sounds, I guess I'm really talking about here specifically. So part of the idea with this piece was to have a bit of fun, sort of explore these early sounds and, and this idea. And I guess the, the difficult thing about the piece, which I think I created quite a challenge for you players, I used a word processing program to create the score. Even though the score looks quite simple, it nearly drove me crazy trying to lay this thing out in a word processing document. <laughs> but I did it, and so it's all very true to its linguistic sort of um, forms. That's the soup part of the, the it's a musico-poetic soup that's going on with these uses of language signs as the basis of musical notation. And then... I'm quite into using simultaneous um, scores in some of my work. 
that's a long, boring story I won't subject you to here. But um, so initially, actually, when I was making the piece, I thought, oh, how can I make the, um, the score player experience more rich or complex or something? So I started to experiment with simultaneous scores, but then I rejected that. And what I did end up, though, doing was having the, the text that's in the piece above this soup, this musico-poetic soup of, of phonemes and vowels. Many theorists have postulated that um, most infants start with vowel sounds, then they'll start to move on to consonant play, then into phonemes, which is really the beginning of linguistic um, structures. And, um, and so in the piece, I sort of follow that um, trajectory loosely. And then they start combining consonants and phonemes. And then it sort of goes a bit wild at the end with a bit of a nod to sound poetry as a, um, another area which sort of is connected to this childlike play of music and language, perhaps before we've um, formalised the distinctions. Um, so the text was that I've used is a sort of tautological and sort of slightly ironic text, which I guess questions the relationship between assumption, sign, sound and form. And so it's this cheeky little text that floats along the top of the um, musico-poetic soup. Um, it sounds right mad what I'm talking about now, I think. Um, <laughs> and um, sort of reflects on the piece. And then there's also some sort of microtext in the, the, more, the score that is to be enunciated or to be performed, um, which the players had a choice of vocalising or not. And there are also these couple of tiny little tautological texts that you probably can hardly see them because they're so tiny, they're in a really small font. I found it really hard to resist not sounding the letters had to really fight the um, temptation enunciating words you know even in into my instrument as a wind player maybe it would have been easier perhaps for the string players to not feel that temptation it's it's meant to be in a, a quite an open score but having said that of course I did supply like three pages of notes about the damn thing <laughs> just with some possible a few restrictions and some possible ideas and actually it was a I think in those notes I said that you could use some onomatopoeic or um, imitative techniques. And in fact, in yours and Lindsay's parts, I did put more of that material, I guess, tempting you as to whether you wanted to go down that path. But then I'd also said in the notes that that should be carefully handled and not done too much. Mm. So um, I was actually very excited to hear that you hadn't gone that path, even though I'd I've tried to embed it there for you in case you wanted to have some sections doing that. So if you ever want to perform it again, it should be, it could be completely different on every different rendition. Mm. And um, it's, so it's very open like that, but it's, it's quite beautiful that you referred to that because all the way through, I was thinking of you and Lindsay and I was also <laughs> thinking, oh, those poor string players. Oh my gosh, what have I done to them? Uh, I, you know? I think we like a challenge. I did say some of the text, a note that it's very soft in the mix. And ah. What about your experience? This is, you know, this is a piece you made. I guess you're quite close to the end of our 20 pieces, so the worst is over, so to speak. But can you tell us a little bit about your experience of the COVID pandemic in Sydney where you live and how it affected your own work in the creative sense? And I just wondered what your experience of it has been. Well, I have so missed playing. You know, I had a number of, I mean, like so many of us, all these gigs planned and, you know, all gone. 
um, yeah. and some I was going to collaborate with Sonia Hollywell, this wonderful vocalist on a piece, which I was really looking forward to, Gone. Um, Jim Denley and Nick Ashwood and I have this trio, 180 Degrees. Well, actually, yesterday for the first time we got together and had a play, which was just fantastic. So I have so missed playing. But um, I've done a tremendous amount of writing and, um, and in fact, I've, I've been incredibly busy and, and had big periods where I've just worked and worked and worked seven days a week and I've got a bit grumpy about it. And I think I've found like sometimes it has been quite hard to feel motivated. Mm. It's been a little bit laborious or something. And um, I'm actually writing a poetry book for Cordite Publishers who are in Melbourne and a wonderful, um, wonderful publisher. I really like them. And, you know, that's, that deadline's coming up soon. And, um, I mean, we've been so lucky in Sydney compared to Melbourne, my God. And when you think of internationally, I just feel, you know, what am I even complaining about, for goodness <laughs> sakes? But mm. it, it's very isolating and it's um, we've also lost in Sydney, we've, well, in, in Melbourne as well, we've lost some wonderful people this year, not from COVID, but um, Cor Fuller, mm. that he was a very dear friend of mine and, that, that, um, and Andrew McLennan from the listening room and, of course, Sean Baxter, um, and these weren't COVID-related at all, but that made coming together um, around these losses very difficult. I, I completely identify with that, especially around Sean Baxter, because um, that the way his wake, we got a we had a sneaky meeting just before things really got. Yeah, it was in the first wave, I think. Um, but you know, we couldn't go to a proper funeral or anything. Um, yeah, and you mentioned earlier. Uh, about the working within two minutes. How, how did you find that? How, what was it like creating a piece for that's two minutes long? Is that something you've done before? Or did you find it uh, exhilarating or tricky? or? Yeah, all of the above, I think. Yeah, um, it's like there's no, there's no room to muck around. And the whole concept of development or, you know, there's a sort of implied succinctness, I guess, to the concept and... Um, but I, I felt I felt quite excited about it, you know. I like, you know, and I kept thinking, oh, I wish I could make this a bit longer. I was going, no, no, this is the whole point. Like, no, you don't do that. And um, I mean, one thing I really found um, interesting about hearing what you did with the score was that, um, and this is part of the conceit of the score, and that I was so happy about. To tell you the truth, I was quite surprised how musical it was in inverted commas. I thought you might go a bit more noise-based with it. You know, it's an open thing, and I was just fascinated and also honoured to see what you'd, you'd all come up with, um, and that was an, a particular treat for me. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is part of the thing is, I guess, about transference and forms and this sort of instability between notation and sound, which is inherently there, you know. Um, for some time I've thought, oh, you know, since the development of wire recordings and the tape recorder, the whole function of notation is really challenged by that because now we have oral notation. But of course, even oral notation is only one sort of representation of, of a sound possibility. Sound itself is so complex. So what I loved about um, what you did with this score was, you know, and I think sometimes when people are looking at it, they'll think, what, what, you know, where does this sound come from? How does this relate to the score? And that's what I, that's what I really like about it actually, is this disjunction between the sign and the sound. And yet 
the actual form or some sort of residue of the form is very palpably there. Yeah. Um, but it's not a literal one-on-one mapping in any sense. And mm. I think years years ago, Richard Vella took me into the con to sort of map out on a computer all the, the parameters of this work that I'd done. And when the score came out, I thought, this is the most convoluted anal thing that I've ever seen. Why would I ever f- want anyone to do that? And uh, from that point on, it started this particular interest I had in actually notation being um, the disjunction between sound and notation, what you can do with that. Um, So, um, yeah, so thank you so much for putting all that effort in because I did feel concerned that it was quite an ask of you, you know. It It was a conceit that wasn't easy. Thanks so much for talking to me, Amanda. It's really great to get your insights um oh thanks kat and it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you as always and i look forward to getting put together for a drink sometime soon yeah i look forward to seeing you too it'll be be (laughs) great and (laughs) thanks again thanks tom two minutes from home is a project initiated by the decibel new music ensemble it sees 22-minute online compositions commissioned for 2020. Each of these pieces engages with the Decibel Score Player, an iPad application that facilitates the network reading of graphic notation. Each commission results in an audiovisual outcome that can be found on our website, decibelnewmusic.com, or vimeo.com forward slash decibelnewmusic. This project has been generously supported by the Australia Council for the Arts.